Ott van még Nikolic. Nígó felé, Nígó helyzetben! Gól! Gól! Nígó kiegyenlít! Bravo, Loik! Bravo, Lolikám! Lajos! Szép gól volt! Sallai! Azon mellett még el tudjuk hozni. Sőt, Szoboszlai kap labdát. Szoboszlai előtte Nikolic bent középült könyves. Szoboszlai! Könyves szép helyet csinált neki! Szoboszlai lő! Gól! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Euro 2020 version of the Hungarian Football Podcast. My name is Chris Barrett, and I'll be your stand-in host this time, as Gabby is taking some much-needed R&R at the beach. Uh, as usual, we have our resident expert, Tom Mortimer. Hello, Tom. Hi, Chris. And uh, Tom has been on some uh, high-level media in the past few days, which I'm sure he'll share with you. We also have uh, Bensa Bokchak co-founder of First Time Finish. Um, well, it's, it's good to have both of you guys uh, with us here this week. Uh, again, a very special uh, episode this time because uh, the very thing that we secretly hoped and uh, really nervously laughed about after the last podcast uh, has come to pass. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it would have been irresponsible for us to have predicted anything less than a defeat against the uh, reigning world champions. Um, but guys, as, as we come together here today on the 21st of June, um, this really does have to come as one of the biggest shock results in Hungarian national team history, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I was thinking and trying to debate like, how big of a result it was in Hungarian football history. Like the last time we got a result from a world champion was in 2007 when Hungary beat Italy. But that was only in a friendly and Italy kind of fell off a cliff almost after that. I, uh, I remember really. that game very well because uh, I was a youth player as a kid at uh, Dunakesi and Jujak uh, and Gera before the big game. They came to train at my youth club like right before that game. And uh, I remember watching them just practice and like walking past them in the changing room. So yeah, and then they beat Italy uh, a few days later. So that was a pretty special result yeah, back in Gira, Hungary at the time. Gear was ridiculous that night as well. Like, I, I don't you remember that goal where he kind of got sent down the line and made that sliding tackle and played it across the box. I think it was to, to fetch us in potentially. To, to, yeah. to tap home, but yeah, hung, and, that and was Phil Core, Phil Core was on the pitch as well, and yeah. uh, I think that was the game that made Jujak really. I think after that was when uh, PSV and all the big clubs started being interested in him too. Yeah, Phil Core was a was a player of Inter and AC Milan as well. Uh, he was there for some period of time. That's crazy. He was even at those two clubs, um, but I think. I think it's bigger than that, to be honest. Like I say, it's, it, that was a friendly game, and like obviously Italy weren't going to treat that as, as much a lot. Well, they're going to treat that a lot less seriously than Hungary would have done that night. But I think you're almost going back to like 1966. Like this, this is almost as big a result as when you're going back that far. Like major tournaments, like 
these kind of results just haven't come for Hungary in so long. Like we think back to a few world, a few World Cups post '66, and we have won games, but it's not been a great against elite opposition. But in '66, we beat the holders Brazil um, mm. in the group stage, and I think I think this almost is on a par with that in, in someone in in some ways, like. Because Hungary obviously were a very, very good side back in the 60s. But like now to to create a result with the team that we've got against the world champions it is enormous. I know I know it's not a, it's not a victory, but to get a draw is, is crazy, to be honest. It could have been a victory as well, to be fair. Like it was it's quite ironic that their one goal came from a counter attack mm. when uh we kind of committed a few too many men forward and uh, got caught out. Poor Adam Nudge couldn't really head the ball away, and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a mismatch him going up against Mbappe in the end. Uh, and then even with the ball in, like Orban was so unlucky mm. uh, to not clear the ball away. So in a way, France were. Although they dominated the game, they were kind of fortunate to get a result in the end. It was weird that that big hoist up in the bot in, in the air because I mean people were blaming the sunlight a little bit, but I mean potentially, but it just didn't look like they even went for the header, which it was mm. just it was such an annoying goal to concede. Like you can't have a go at like the players for conceding that goal. But there's so many like things about it. Like why do we have two players back when they have Mbappe? Like, I know I know Nodge is quite quick, but like we why are we throwing so many players forward? Like why didn't we win the header? And then yeah, and then it kind of bounced and, and Orban on Instagram actually blamed himself for the goal. Like it was such an avoidable goal to concede. It's it's so annoying that it kind of came about in that regard. Like we like France can score so many different types of goals against here. Like they have unbelievable footballers. They have a really big team as well. So from set pieces they can always be dangerous. And so to concede from a big Loris hoist up the pitch is so annoying. Do you guys feel like um though that there it seemed to me that uh, we got let off the hook time and time again. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about Griezmann, about 14 minutes in, he had that rebound right in mm-hmm. front of the goal and just he shot it right into Galaxy's arms. Um, Mbappe, a few minutes later, glanced that header just wide. I think Galaxy had um, had it covered, but it was, it was, again, one of those. And then the Benzema miss mm-hmm. where he came right through and, and it, I guess it came off the side of his, his foot. I mean, it, it seemed to me that... Our, the defense was solved on each one of those. Um, do you feel like it's still, does it still feel the same? I mean, you know, cause it, it seemed to me at least in the first half that they, they put in a lot of effort and probably should have gone ahead and didn't. Um, and I, I really felt lucky <laughs> when we got that goal at the, uh, at the end of the first half to go ahead. I mean, it was, for me, it was such a change in the way the game was, was played at that point. It, what do you think, uh, Benza? Yeah, I mean, I, I do see your point. Like, they did dominate the game. There's no question about it. Um, and then I, I do think when that goal came in, our attitude sort of changed. I think here, with the atmosphere as well, like, it just lit up the whole crowd and the stadium was buzzing. And maybe, like, 
it's crazy to say, but maybe we we committed so many men forward because we just wanted to kill the game off. Because um, mm. uh, the players were just so high on confidence, and you would be with over sixty thousand people um, just cheering you on, like every second of the game. Um, so maybe it, it, they just kind of got lost in the emotions of the game and the atmosphere and uh, it's very unlike um, a Rossi team but instead of thinking strategically and logically they went with the emotions and we committed uh, a few too many forward and just got caught out yeah. Hey Tom compare this to the um, to the 2-1 win over Croatia back in 2019 I mean, Croatia wasn't the world champions, but they were, um, that was a huge game at home. Is it big, big difference here? I think so. Obviously, like you'd say, they're not, the, they weren't the world champions, but they did get to the final. They got comprehensively beaten in that final, but they, they obviously still got to the final. But I still think this is just another level, to be honest. Like, I think it's, it's almost the depth that France have, like, Croatia's team, first team on paper, is very good, and they do have a little bit of depth. But they kind of they play a certain way, and they they're very good at that the, the way that they play. However, France just have so many weapons. They like like I say, they they can hit, they can they can score from set pieces, and then they can also hit you on the break because they've got Mbappe, who's like the quickest footballer I've ever seen in my life. They have Pogba, who can play little dink balls over the top of the defence. They have Benzema and um, Griezmann. Like Griezmann's almost like a, a player who can unlock you in tight spaces. They have Kante, who usually just destroys any chance of an attack and also is very dynamic with his running forward. They even have, like, well, actually, Pavard was awful, but they have fullbacks who can hurt you, Luca Dina. Um, they have someone like Hernandez who couldn't even get in their squad. Like the two um, defenders for uh, in, for their under twenty ones team keep out Orban out of the out of the Leipzig team. Like their their team is just riches upon riches, and like they are the world champions. But their world, they're, they're like I, in my opinion, they're far and away the best team in the world. They they're favourites for this competition. They probably should have won the last Euros. Like they're one of maybe they aren't seen as one of the better teams of all time. And, and that's maybe fair because probably this don't excite people in the way that they should do, but have, have all the players, but they know how to win games and to be able to put in a performance like that. And like Benson said, like after we scored the goal, we, again, we kind of look relatively comfortable. Like, like you and Chris, you're right to mention all those chances that they did have in the first half. And, and yeah, they might, there were some guilt edge ones, like especially the Benzema one, which he, I mean, he scores that for Real Madrid 99 times out of 100, doesn't he? But to be able to, when we scored, they kind of looked rocked and shocked. So to, yeah, to be able to put in a performance like that. And again, Adams are like, got, had to come off like almost like a spiritual leader these days on the pitch. Um, a vital part of how we play football um, we've not we're out we've, we're out without Dominic Soboslai, our best player by a mile um, in an attacking in an attacking sense. 
without his replacement in Joel Colmar. Um, we're playing Andros Schaefer, who's barely played for the national team before. Um, Attila Zolai, who hadn't really been a um, a part of the national team until last year. Obviously, he's he's a beast, but like there's so many of this team that you would think, are these guys ready for this kind of um, occasion right now? But they fucking are, aren't they? Jesus Christ. Well, and I wanted to get to that because, yeah, as soon as he went off, I guess with an apparent head injury, um, I, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't even think, even think I saw it. I, I think we were all kind of thinking, what what else can happen to this team, right? Um, like you said, he's that spiritual leader, um, uh, just, you know, the talisman, as you said. And, and for him to leave and for um, an old guy like like Nikolic to come in, uh, yeah, I think we were just like, okay, guys, hold on. This is going to get really wild and bumpy because it already was to that point. But it, it is almost as if that's the thing that spurred them into this that next level. Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, I can't really remember Nikolic doing watching the game, to be honest. Like, I, I mean, it's hard for me to really say because I haven't rewatched it. And there's obviously so much emotion going through you when you do watch it first time that you, you aren't really picking up on everything that much and you're not really that perceptive. But I, I'd like to see his touch map. I think I have seen it, but like, it, it, it wasn't that involved. Like in the same way as Zola is, you pump up balls to him and you, he wins you throw-ins, he wins you uh, fouls, he he holds the ball up, and Nikolic not really was wasn't really doing that. He actually did a, a good part in in of that before the goal. He got it back to the defender who played it to Nodge and Nodge played it to Fiola, but there wasn't too much of that, and he did give the way the ball looked quite sloppily at times in in the centre midfield. But obviously. Like someone said to me on Twitter, like he isn't in the team. That's not his role. Like he isn't a player who's going to hold up the ball a lot. He's a poacher, isn't he? Um, yeah. Let me make it clear that I I didn't think that he his his presence necessarily did anything. But the fact that that mm. uh, Salah left and it was that sense of no matter who they put in, it was it was like oh my gosh, we've got yeah. we've got to pull ourselves up here. Because yeah, exactly. Because there's no he was a passenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's no, there's no one who can play like Zola. That's the problem. Like he goes off. And me and Ben said, I think we said this before the game on Twitter Spaces. That, yeah, like, did, yeah. There's no one coming through, is there? No. I, the only one I, I mentioned was Andras Nemet, who's at um, Genk, and he's supposedly like, I, I watched him at youth level at the World Cup, and. Uh, the European Championships, and he looks like a good player, but he's still, you'd assume, far away from getting to that level. He's only 18. He scored, I think, 21 goal, 20 goals in 21 appearances for Genk's reserve team last season. Also got eight assists. Uh, but you'd assume he's still a couple of years away from uh, getting into the national team. So... Yeah, it's it's kind of a tough one without uh, Salai. Um, I was kind of screaming for Rossi to put Schoen on towards the end of the game, to be honest, because I just felt like Nikolic wasn't really... It, it almost felt like at times we were playing with 10 men with Nikolic on the field. It might be a bit harsh to say, but I just felt like... I don't know, he, wasn't, he doesn't really offer you a lot. And I know with Schoen, I watched him a lot for MTK and 
uh, it, it's not just his pace that's an asset when you bring him on, like he showed against Portugal, but def- his defensive contributions have been um, really high, and he's he even played as a fullback, like uh, as a left wing back uh, under Michael Boris last season. So um, I don't know against Germany. I would like if Sully is not available. I don't know if Schoen should start, but I would like to see him feature at some point because I watched a Germany France game and uh, although Mbappe didn't score, he got through so many times. Uh, Germany tend to play a high line and uh, they kind of did okay with the high line. Uh, they rode their luck at times. Um, but uh, I think there's there's spaces and gaps to exploit for us there if we play as well as we did against Portugal and France. You're getting back to the game. Um, you know, you, I think you mentioned, Tom, that uh, Hungary, and I, maybe you too, Ben, so just Hungary playing with uh, some, uh, uh, some momentum after that first half. Um, if you remember, uh, Fiola was wide open on the left uh, about six, five, six minutes into the half, and they almost got it over to him. That could have been goal number two. And I, I was, I was at the edge of my seat at that point. I was like, "How, how, how is this happening?" Um, but then, you know, France kind of came in. Dembele came in. He hit the post. Griezmann scores. Um, uh, Galachi just completely denied Mbappe from close range. If you all remember that, about eight minutes from time, and then. Varane yeah, that was a great save as well. Yeah, it's amazing. And then Varan misses that uh, that header in in uh, added on time. Um, it was probably um, going to be weak anyways, but it was still a dangerous spot. But I I, I think in one of the things that we talked about a lot was just how the central midfielders were playing just out of their minds. Um, Tom, t- tell us a little bit who you, you thought the man of the match was for Hungary and um, maybe some of the some of your thoughts on that. I think it's hard not to give it to who got it. What who what which was Klein Highs there? I mean, Adam Nasser was also absolutely immense um, at breaking up play and, um, and and taking us forward with the ball. Like I was saying at the time, like Nodge is a lot cleaner in his ball possession than Klein Highs. Like Klein Highs, it 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 doesn't always come off his passes. Like he he doesn't always look like he's got the ball under control. But as the game went on, he actually looked more assured and more and more assured. And he was holding off, like, Paul Pogba, who's, like, a foot taller than him. Like, he was holding him off with his strength and, like, and his pace. And it's just, like, this this little lad who plays somehow, somehow plays in Croatia, is just dominating a midfield, which has got Paul Pogba, Rabio, and Kante in it. And he's just taking us forward, like, putting us on our back, uh, putting Hungary on his back and just, just willing... Willing us forward, like, I mean, Gurgo Morosi posted the stats and he'd had more um, ball recoveries and I think won more duels than anyone on the pitch. That includes all the French players as well. Um, I thought he was just immense. And like anyone watching, I saw a, a quite a famous um on, on what Twitter famous person uh, in the tactical uh, space say, Klein Heiser is just made for the Premier League. And yeah, when you see these sort of performances, you're like, yeah, I mean, 
he's got to move to the Premier League, hasn't he? And anyone said that after Euro 2016. But this like Kainai has always been like this. Since he came through, we always saw fits and bursts of Laszlo Kleinheiser and he, he he can just perform to levels that no one outside of Hungary would believe. But like we see, we have seen this a few occasions. But I think this is the best he'd ever performed. Like he he was just monstrous. Adam Nagy again, like I say, was monstrous. Roland Shalai, I thought was monstrous. The way that he was just winning so many, so many fouls and just running and running. He must have been absolutely exhausted. And I agree with Benzer that I think we should have brought Sabot Schoen on up top because um, just to carry the load a little bit. So like rather than every time giving it to Shalai to just run about, I bet Shalai was just thinking, come on, Nico, give me some stuff. Give me, give me a break, man. He was almost I, limping by the end of it, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. yeah. Barely like, I'm surprised, like, because he was just working so hard. But like, I for, I completely forgot at the time. But um, we'd obviously met, we'd had our three stages for the subs because we had Zolai in the first half, and then um, just as I thought that Schoen should come on, we had someone else came off. I think it was Kleinheiser actually. Um, and I, I think he was just exhausted as well. So, like, I'm not surprised they were so exhausted playing at that intensity against the team of the quality of France three and a half days after playing against the quality of Portugal. Like, this is the reason why I thought Hungary just couldn't perform to that level. And I think there must have been people in the Hungary camp who were probably thinking the same, like, can these boys do it again? Um, and, that, and yeah, I, I, I said it on Twitter, we, we should never underestimate these lads because they just, again and again, just just outperform what was what expected of them. Yeah, Tom, you, you said that that was your biggest question was whether they could, um, uh, I guess, resurrect that same effort from the first game. And obviously they they did. And it's just been, it's been one surprise after another, quite honestly, um, with this team. And um um, I wanted to ask you, Bensa, about uh, Rossi's influence on on the side. Do you feel like just his leadership and what he's brought to the side has been uh, the deciding factor in terms of team selection, um, tactics, all that? Absolutely. I think it goes even beyond that, uh, beyond the tactics, which, you know, we, we know Rossi He's coached underdogs before. He, he won the league with Homvade and his tactics are very good. But I think he's changed the mentality of the team. Almost like when Pal Dardai took over for a short bit and helped us qualify for Euro 26. Like There's just a certain attitude and mentality in the team and, and there's I don't know where it's come from, this belief that, you know, we we can go up against the best in the world and uh, we can do well and we can compete. Like, I don't think that has ex- existed in Hungarian football in the last 30, 40 years, or very rarely on very rare occasions, but not to this consistent level that, we've been going at for the past couple of years. 
és indul Szalai, és vissza lehet tenni Kleinhelyslenek, és újra Szalainak, és ott a gól helyzet, és a gól, és a gól! Szalai vezet Magyarország! 550 nap után be lehet azt piszkálni, pöckölni, tuckolni! Egy ide! És micsoda támadás volt! got some questions from some of our Twitter followers that I think we want to get into. Um, so let's just go right to it. Um, I'm going to throw this one out here for Tom. This is coming from, um, <laughs> well, this is kind of funny, Tom. Uh, Griezmann Chief is asking, my only question to you is, how are we going to celebrate if we win it all against Germany? Can't wait to hear this answer. <clears throat> oh, honestly, I, I, I felt absolutely emotionally exhausted after that game i couldn't even celebrate it like for the as people might know i get quite invested in this kind of shit like and i i did i get so emotionally invested it's ridiculous but for the last 10 minutes i was literally crouched in front of my tv i was like i was like felt like i was marcelo bielsa or something i just i just couldn't like Oh my god! So for the rest of the day on um, on Saturday, because the game obviously finished like 4 p.m. UK time, so the rest of the day I just felt like I was on a come down from like like some drugs or whatever. So I was just like exhausted for the rest of the day. I just decided like for the next two days like to be offline as much as I could. And so I don't think you're asking the right person. <laughs> I'm going to celebrate because if Hungary win. I'm just going to be so drained. I can't, I can't, I'm, I mean, I'm 28, but I can't do this celebrating anymore. Just, <laughs> I'm too old, man. I, I, I feel like I, I don't know. I, I reckon if I played, I wouldn't even feel it this exhausted. Yeah. That's what Gail, Gail suggested a bottle of Palinka. Um, so maybe you two could share that together. But, that would uh, kill me off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get I get I get killed off by too much tea. I had a teapot for the for the whole game and that that was too much. I yeah. told you I'm an old man. Okay. Well I was glad I was able to get a couple beers in before we scored and I, I lost it. So That was early for you as well, wasn't it? What time was it over there? Yeah, it was it was early. It was really early. But you know what? I was just trying to get into the mood, you know? <laughs> Yeah, the game started at uh, 9, 10 p.m., 10 a.m. for us. So, yeah, I was drinking early that morning. But, hey, it only happens every four years, right, if we're lucky. I see. Um, I, think, I think I might get myself, like I say, a langosh that will be will be splendid. Maybe I'll get the ingredients for that. But that means I'll, I'll be tempting fate. And if, if Hungary end up losing, then I've got wasted langosh. All right. Good answer. Bensa, this comes from Anthony Kennedy. Um, and he asks, do you play the same team as started against France? That it depends if uh, Saleh is fit to play, uh, because obviously, if he isn't, then you would probably put Nikolic back in. Uh, but if he is, yeah, I would I would start the same team. Uh, I think uh, Nego was much better than Lovrencic on that right flank and he kind of offers us an attacking outlet as well uh, he went forward on a few occasions uh, and and you can't drop Attila Fiola after what he did <laughs> that would be very unfair on him and 
in all fairness to him, I thought he did very well. Um, he, even defensively, uh, he was great. Um, I thought he made Dembele get substituted, but we found out since that he had an injury and that's why he got subbed off. But regardless, I think Fiola was brilliant on the left wing and... Um, yeah, I, I I can't really think of anyone to drop. I think it just depends on if there's any fitness issues, really, because uh, I, I'm sure these last two games would have taken their toll. Yeah. Tom, I think we, we had talked about it also. I don't know if it was before, after, or during the, the pre-match, but um, really, who who else at this point can come in and really do the job that, that they're doing at the moment? Nope, no one. Because you see, you see it with having to bring Thomas Sherry on with ten minutes to go. Like, well, it, I mean, he's a, he's a he's a good MB one player, and he looks really exciting in MB one. But at this level, not for me. And obviously, it's hard to trust Shiger again after that his performance in the first game. Like, like Benza said, like Nago, I thought was awesome on the right. Um, I think he's just. He's so clean in possession. I think I think his biggest quality is his passing and his control, especially compared to Lovrenchic, is just so much better. And and the only other thing you could maybe do is like maybe swap Schaefer for Nago and play Nago in the centre. Um, but yeah, you're not going to do that because then you lose Nago on the right. So like th- there is no real subs to make. Potentially, like Benza said at left, wing back but Fiola was awesome again and like like you said Chris as well like there was a couple of other times where Fiola could have got in on the left if it had been played in but um yeah there's no there's no real options I think it'd be interesting I think Zolai I think they're saying that he probably will be fit but if he isn't it'll be really interesting to see what uh, Rossi does with Nikolic and that situation up top because it does make sense to just go with Nico again but and in the other respects, like he did so little, that what can you do? I, I worry for Chalet in that case as well because he's been doing so much running over the last week and a bit. Like I, I just need, I feel like he needs someone else who can do a bit of running for him as well. Like obviously, he's just come back from a little niggle, and uh, I think what would have helped Chalet for these this tournament is that at Freiburg, he got rotated quite a lot. I don't know why, but the Freiburg manager, he just likes to take players off after like an hour. And uh, because of that, I feel like he's probably fresher than the players he's coming up against. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It would be bold, but... If I would love it if uh, Rossi put on Schoen instead of Nikolic if Salah is not fit. Be a very think, bold move. But I think that's a really good point about Shalai being um, fresher than than the players he's coming up against, and that's potentially the same with all of our players. Really, like Nodge wasn't playing every week at Bristol City. Zolai wasn't playing every week at Mainz. Like. A lot of MB1, they barely play two games a week in MB1. So, like, it, 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 when I was saying that 
maybe it's tough for these players because they haven't played at this kind of intensity all season and doing it back to back but maybe because they haven't been playing at this intensity all season maybe that's actually a benefit mm. uh, which has become one of I think our favourite Twitter names on here has uh, poses an interesting question um, which I'll hand off to Benza Tom you can answer it too if you want he says uh, he or she I'm not sure who but how come we can keep up with top teams fitness now usually we concede from Romania in the 90th minute but this is a whole other level will the night never end question mark <laughs> i think that's a reference to the hungarian song for the 2016 euros um will the night never end um it's an interesting question like that it's always been the case hasn't it that we just tend to score late goals and I guess it was the case against Portugal as well really so I don't know if that has changed that much we still looked very tired and uh, rugged towards the match against France Um, uh, so I'm not I don't really know the answer to that question I, I I'm sure what would have helped as well is that we probably have world-class experts in the backroom staff um loads of analysis analysis and uh just it's it's a massive team behind the actual squad that's helping them to recuperate and uh and i think as well the fact that there's training camps during the year that probably helps to but I think Ross's tactics as well, uh, they kind of play a part in preserving energy and not really chasing down the opposition as much. You know, we kind of, we tend to sit back and uh, preserve our energy. Do you feel like sometimes, um, Tom, that the that one of the characteristics of this team, even under Rossi, is that they 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 tend to play to the level of competition. Yeah, they definitely do that, don't they? Like, we even saw him, San Marino and Andorra, like, we kind of dropped down to their level in some ways. I mean, they, I said at the time, that they are hard games to play when you're playing against a team who are banked up like, like San Marino and Andorra, but especially in that Andorra game, we pass the ball so slowly and we play at their pace. Like you say, we almost match the team that we're coming up against if that's either playing their speed in a in a good way, like being able to match against France or Portugal, or being able to yeah just match against the teams who are poor. Like, there's not many games where we end up battering the team or we end up uh, getting battered. Like you think that all of the games under Rossi, I can't think of any. I can't actually think of any where we've been battered. Like we've against Croatia away, I can't remember that scoreline. Was it three 0 Okay, maybe that one was the game where we got battered. But I feel I can't remember us getting battered in that game. I know we lost to Wales two 0 We weren't great that night, but I don't think it was a battering. Um, We obviously lost to Slovakia twice, and then we lost to um, Russia in the Nations League. We ended up losing that three two. Um, we we just yeah I think it's it's true we seem to just 
play at the level of our opposition almost always. And we, yeah, like I could say we've not really battered team. Like, well, we're obviously going to beat Andorra and San Marino by a few goals, but even then it was dark and slow and uh, melodic. But um, yeah, it's, it's a good point. Next question, guys. This one comes from another uh, more uh, <laughs> one of our favorite uh, Twitter handles, Tony Pepperoni. Um, considering the group of death teams are superior to England, what do you think our chances are against them? And I'm guessing this is referring to the World Cup qualifying group. Uh, Benson, what do you think? Well, potentially we could face them in the round of 16 as well. Um, I think that if we finish second if you yeah, beat Germany group, yeah yeah uh so I don't know it could be could be a very optimistic Hungarian fan um but no I think there's not many of those I I watched England against Scotland and uh, then I watched Hungary France and based on that performance we should we should have every confidence that we can get a result against England at home at home especially with probably another full crowd. Um, I think England's players might struggle in that atmosphere. And I don't know, I'm feeling quite optimistic. Uh, I think the way I looked at these games, uh, I didn't really expect anything. I didn't really expect a result. But what I was looking for is sort of... Um, our players getting experience playing at this level and uh, playing against this level of opposition and learning from it and taking that experience into the World Cup qualifiers and then potentially the Nations League as well. I think we're in a fortunate position based on how well we did in the Nations League that even if we don't get second place in the World Cup qualifiers, we could still qualify for the playoffs for the World Cup. But, I mean, it would be great to get a result against England and cause an upset. And I think based on these performances and based on England's performances, really, so far at the tournament, we should we should feel confident. Um, next question comes from Michael. Um, he asks, what weaknesses uh, in the Germans, if any, do you think we can exploit? Good question, Mike. Oh man, it is a good question. I I would have said before Saturday's game that it would have been their fullbacks, and then they put in a performance that you would only expect of someone like Liverpool, where Trent Alexander Arnold's crossing to Andy Robertson, like Kimmich and Goodsons were absolutely immense in that game, and it's kind of come from almost nowhere because they've really really struggled with with fullbacks. Um, recently and going into the tournament they didn't really know what they were going to do at fullback Kimmich looked like he was going to play in centre midfield Kusens they didn't really like because he plays for Atalanta and it was kind of a bit of a snobbery because he plays from outside of Germany um, and then yeah I mean in the first game they weren't particularly great at fullback and then well Gersens didn't have a great game in that and then yeah it looks like I don't know Roberto Carlos um, yesterday on Saturday so I think I think we still can attack them. I think it's that 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 three at the back. I mean, it helped them in 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 the wing back position, but I don't think it's particularly secure, and I don't think their defence is that great at all. They still conceded two goals. They could have conceded a lot more 
against uh, against France. Obviously, Portugal and, and France have a lot better defences. But I also think Germany moved the ball like too slowly against low blocks. Like we've seen, we've seen that on the Love quite a bit. We saw it at the last World Cup when they struggled to break down South Korea. They struggled to break down Sweden. They actually ended up beating Sweden in the end. They lost their first game in that group. I can't remember who it was against. Um, and then they obviously lost North Macedonia in March, a low block team, a team that are already out of this European Championships. Um, I feel that we we actually are, the way that we are set up usually is actually suited perfectly to beat them. Um, and going to this tournament, I was actually reasonably confident we could beat them, but I didn't expect them to be as good as they were on Saturday because they looked almost like prime Germany again. However, they did do this at the last World Cup. They lost their first game. They won their second game. They looked shoddy again in the third game. So I'm hoping that pattern repeats itself. But I think, yeah, I think the low block that we come up with, if we play with the same intensity, the same energy, we hit them on the counter. And I think we will actually see more chances in this game than we have in any of the games, to be honest. Because I think that defence is, that their defence is something to be got at. And if um, if Charlai is on form and and Scherner will have to be used, I think, 100% in this game, unless we are leading with about half an hour to go, I think still I'd bring him on anyway, because I think that pace will frighten them. They're slow at the back um, and too slow in attack when against a low block. So I think that's, I just think, yeah, if we set up like we do now, this is our best chance and we are 100% going to play the same, similar way anyway. Great. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat because uh, I think Germany was the game that I felt the most confident about going into the tournament. And then they put that performance in against Portugal. Now I'm having second doubts, but I do think it's, I think what could play to our advantage as well is that we have a lot of players who are playing in Germany and who would have come up against a lot of these German players. Like, for example, I think Müller's out of the game, so Timo Werner might play. And, you know, Orban was, and Golacci were teammates with Werner for a long time. So they know a lot about him. I mean, obviously it works vice versa as well. But um, that could also play a factor. And Shalai has played a lot against Hummels in the Bundesliga too so he knows what to expect and the same same for Salah as well yeah that's good insight guys I'm hoping that it's something that we can definitely exploit come Wednesday um next question comes from Special K uh I'm just gonna throw this one out here has Andres Schaefer played well enough in your opinions to earn a spot in the starting lineup in September, even with Soboslai coming back, and most likely not Kalmar? That's a tough question. Um, if Klein Heisler wouldn't have put in that man of the match performance, I would have probably gone with Schaefer, just because he's more defensively solid compared to Klein Heisler. And if they're going to play, uh, 
if we're, all, we're already going to have a sort of more attacking-minded midfielder like Sobosley in the midfield three, uh, I think it would have balanced out nicely to have Schaefer in there. And obviously Schaefer is younger as well. So um, we gain a lot more from him playing and uh, getting more experience and uh, growing as a player in the national team. Uh, but with Kleinheiser's performance, I don't know. It, it, it's it's a nice headache to have because Rossi probably doesn't have a lot of headaches in this tournament in terms of team selection. But it will be nice to have a few more options come the qualifiers. And I think Schaefer is one. I He's probably done enough to alert the attention of a few clubs to get a move away from Dutz and to a potentially a higher level. So come August, September, he could be in a, at a different club and at a higher level as well. Nice. Tom, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think, I think the only thing I'd add to that is maybe that I think Schaefer would be better against... Um, more defensive-minded teams, teams we're better than, um, especially in that three. Like, I think Kleinheiser's energy is so important against the big sides because he doesn't... And I know he's, he's very raw uh, and can lose the ball a lot and sometimes he's a little bit ill-disciplined, but that energy and the way he's able to wrap and just close people down is so vital against these big sides to not let them settle on the ball. Whereas Schaefer against the team, I don't know, say like a Bulgaria or, or, or probably Poland, actually, I think Schaefer would be better than Kleinheiser because Schaefer's a lot, uh, a lot more disciplined in his football and he's a lot cleaner in possession. And I think that would work really nicely in a midfield three with Nod, Schaefer and Soboslai against someone like a Poland. Whereas I think, yeah, against England, I'd still go for Kleinheiser and then Soboslai and, and Nod in that midfield. And and then obviously you've still got Zolkoa Mods to come back in. It's, um, it's amazing, to be honest. It's nice to have all these options. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Good headaches to have. Um, Peter F9 asks this question. I guess each of you can take it if you'd like. Who's the most exciting, relatively unknown Hungarian talent? I'd say Balo um, Palmer. I don't know if he's, rel- I, I guess, relatively unknown. He's, he probably is. Uh, I mean, I know more and more Hungarians uh, know of him these days, especially as he's playing a few games for Palmer. But I, I think he's definitely the most exciting youngster we have right now. Um, he was one of the only, one of the few who performed at the under-21 championships and he was pretty much the youngest player in that side as well. Um, to, and to be playing first-team football at Palmer is really good. And it's also really good that Palmer got relegated this season to Serie B because it means that he's like more likely to be playing in that first team week in, week out. He's also been playing with um, Bruno Alves this season and it's good to have someone like him in training. And obviously Palmer have just signed Booth one. So I think I think yeah, the future's really bright for him and another great centre back to come through. Um yeah, I I'd, I'd say him. I'd probably say the player who I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Andras Nemet, just because he's 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 probably 
going to be involved in the first team with Genk next season. And, uh, you know, he scored a lot of goals for their reserve team. He, he sat on the bench uh, towards the end of last season and, and he's looked really good at uh, youth level for Hungary as well. And then I, I could throw another name in the mix and someone who's really impressed me is uh, Zalan Vancha at uh, MTK. He's only recently turned 16 and uh, he's already playing for the first team at MTK. And uh, with uh, Schoen going to the MLS, I can see Vancha replacing him because... MTK are a club who are who tend to play youth and um, every single time I've watched Wancha at youth level for the under-17s, he's, he's looked uh, a player head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, he's also represented by Dominic uh, Soboslay's agent. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's one to keep an eye on as well. Great. Great answers, guys. Um, just a couple more questions here. Um, Bay of False, that is at False underscore Bay, um, asked this question. This goes back to the tactics a little bit that we were talking about. Um, do you think the early sub of Salai contributed to the team keeping the ball on the ground much more so than against Portugal? Directness of Salai going forward created better chances than tackling balls um, held up by Salai your thoughts on that guys not for me um I, I think we still did try and well at times just ha- have to just hoof something away and just because Solai wasn't there it meant that that ball would have just that ball just came back straight away um and yeah when it kind of went to Nikolic and Nikolic kind of wasn't there I mean there is an argument to say that yeah we as a result, we had to we had to play more football to get out of those positions. Um, but I think just overall, we were a lot more composed in this game. I, I said after the Portugal game, I thought we started with a lot of nervous energy. And I think that was because of the crowd. I think the boys were almost a little bit too hyped up. And in possession of the ball, I thought that like players like Attila Zola, who we're known for being super composed on the ball and and Nigel and Kleinheis that really struggled in that first 20 minutes against Portugal. But I thought against France from the off, we were a lot calmer in possession. And I think potentially in some regards, we could have maybe benefited that Zola isn't there. And it, yeah, you're not just hoisting a, a ball up because that, that does happen a lot when you have a big man, you just, just want to hit him every time. It's like when Dortmund have Haaland up top, they just want to hit Haaland every time. They stop playing footballs at times. Um, but yeah, I'm not really sure it did help to be honest. I think, I think just not having Nick, having Nikolic as that replacement as well just meant that yeah, the ball was just coming back a bit too much. I think maybe it was just a bit of a coincidence that we we were a little bit more composed and played through midfield a little bit more. That's my personal opinion anyway. Yeah, your thoughts, Benson, on that? Anything? Yeah, no, I have to agree. I think. I, I still think we hoofed it up quite a lot. I remember Chalet going up for a few headers and aerial duels with Varane and Kimbefe and it's a bit of a mismatch at times, like Tom said. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think 
I think France kind of sat off us at times as well and gave us a bit more space, whereas Portugal pressed us really high throughout the match. So I think maybe that contributed to it as well. And it will be interesting to see how Germany approached the game as well, because I think they are their team who tend to press high as well. So it will be interesting to see how we cope. And that's why we probably have to f- keep our fingers crossed that Saleh is fit because we really need someone like him to hold the ball up and uh, win the f- free kicks and that kind of thing. All right, guys. So um, final question comes from uh, Palaxinta at halftime. I, I hope that's the way you, you pronounce it. But it, they asked, and this, again, goes back to a little bit what we were talking about. Do we start Shen, Nicolet, and Adam Salai right in the second half? Also, can Wednesday be redemption for 1954 World Cup loss? Just imagine the confidence the boys will go in not losing to the world champions. (laughs) I think it's a bit of an overstretch to say that it's going to be redemption. Unless we end up going on to win the tournament. But, like... Yeah, I think I think uh, I just, the World yeah, Cup I just fight. The questions, okay. <laughs> I know. I think <laughs> I think a World Cup final defeat is definitely um, it's definitely a little bit better than a group stage defeat. But I mean, we can maybe lie to ourselves and pretend that it is. But like the p- second part of his question is a good one that that um, the boys will go in with so much confidence, having held them and. Like this, uh, Rossi was saying before the tournament, like, we're not here to make up the numbers. We're here to get through the group. Like, if no one else believes us, that's that's fine. But, like, these boys do believe in themselves and they will definitely go into this game thinking that they get, they've got a chance of getting a result. I don't know how many of these boys were part of the under-21 team that beat um, Germany under-21. I, I was just going to mention that, actually. That's uh, all I, I can I, think of. That's all I, I looked at. I looked it up the other day. Um, I was going to do a tweet about it, but uh, Attila Salai was there. And uh, Ketchkish Akos, he he started um, the game too. And then for Germany, it was Florian Newhouse who came on. um, And uh, Lucas Klosterman. Klosterman will probably not play, but Newhouse could. Uh, and that was it for the German team as well. Uh, a lot of uh, those German players fell under the radar kind of recently. Uh, I think Jonathan Tarr was involved. It, it was not a bad German team. Like They won the under-21 Euros, if I'm correct. So um, Yeah, and then for Hungary, we had Soboslay and uh, Mate Vida. Yeah, uh, obviously, bang, both it? of them have not had any luck with injuries. Yeah, so well, I just, I just, it's weird because that gay, that Munich crowd is like not particularly vociferous and is obviously not sold out. And I, I that's why it makes me think of that on the 21 game because I remember that crowd being a little bit flat and a little bit sparse. Mm. There's um, going to be, there's going to be Hungarian fans there as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, it's, it's, yeah, it's important to note that 
because um, because they are gonna they arguably might make more noise than the than the, than the German home fans like Hungary Hungary fans make a lot of noise. Um, yeah, they're gonna go in with so much belief. I think. Yeah, I think as well like the pressures on Germany because no one really expects us like we don't expect to go through. You know, like whatever happens is a bonus. Like even if we lose two or three nil, like it that like it's not really going to dampen our moods i don't think because no one really expects us like if there's just no expectation so they're in a way they can go out there and play with freedom I, i'm sure like all of them really desperately want to get through because it would be a, remarkable and uh, uh for we one of the best underdog stories in the Euros recently. I mean, maybe since Greece won it, because I don't think any pundits in the world would have predicted Hungary to go through to the round of 16 from this group. And uh, yeah, I mean, just the fact that we're still there and we can, we're, we're still able to compete and we have an outside chance of qualifying for the round of 16, I think is amazing going into the final game because I don't think anyone would have even expected that. Um, And yeah, just the fact that we're essentially kind of making Germany sweat a bit, you know, because really I don't... A draw, I think, will be enough for them, but they'll probably want to win. Yeah, this is this has been the the beauty of this game, hasn't it? I mean, it would be so incredibly boring if everything went according to plan. <laughs> um, and I think the, the what drew me five years ago was a, a team that came out of nowhere, and here we are again, five years later, and and watching a team who has just defied the odds and and can do so even more. Um, on, on Wednesday, and there's actually hope that that can happen. So, I mean, that's exciting. It really is. I'm, I think we're all looking forward to to Wednesday. There was one other question. I'm going to answer this one, though. Chaba Zambori asks, do they want to win, or are they already happy with the draw versus France? I think we can both, all three of us can unequivocally say that absolutely, yes, they want to win on Wednesday. Absolutely. Are, like, are we agreed in that? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Chalet said it himself, like, uh, at the end of the game, I, I think he just said something like, "Yeah, like we're we're gonna go there, and like no disrespect to Germany, but we're gonna go there and we're gonna try and win." And like, yeah, I think it's just indicative of the mentality that Rossi has instilled in the players. Like, we just have confidence that we we can go out there and compete. Well, guys, it's been great. Uh, those are all the questions. Thank you, Twitter, um, and all of our Hungarian football podcast followers for. Submitting questions. I hope we didn't miss any, uh, but we appreciate all the questions that you guys uh, bring to us. It really helps uh, us as we kind of explore this moving forward. So uh, we look forward to uh, cheering with you guys. Uh, Tom, are we going to do a pregame on Wednesday? Yeah, we'll try and get on Twitter spaces again if people are up for it. Even if it's just us three again, stuff in the chat. That's fine. <laughs> and we had up to almost 20 people before they realized, oh gosh, these hacks. 
So, uh, yeah, so we look forward to, uh, to cheering on the boys on Wednesday, and uh, we thank you all again. Uh, Benza, thank you for joining us. Um, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I love having you. And, Tom, it's always a pleasure hanging out with you. And um, until next time, everybody, have a great, great week. Stay safe and uh, keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>